0: Joshua chapter 11, we, we stand in honor of God's word. If you're not able to stand, just stand up on the inside this morning. Brace yourself. Put your C's and trays in the upright lock position. Fasten your seatbelt for a word that's going to touch and affect and change your life. If you listen and apply, not just with your head, but with your heart today, you'll receive truth from God's word That remains, heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will remain, will endure forever. You'll receive truth this morning that will change you. I don't know about you, I haven't come just for a little patty cake or anything. I've come to receive impartation from the Lord and release it even to you. God's going to touch you today. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Here we are, Joshua 11 in our series, Crossing Over Rivers, Taking Cities. Verse 15. Your notes say verse 15 to 23. I will skip around just a little bit to avoid some of those names I can't pronounce as much as I have tried in the past 24 hours to get them right. You ready? Set? Go. As the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. I love that. multi-generational. And left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So Joshua took this entire land, hill country all the way to Negev, the whole region of Goshen, the western foothills, on and on and on. Go down to verse 17b. He captured all of their kings and put them to death. Let's say that. He captured all of their kings and put them to death. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time. Except for the Hivites living in Gibeon, not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites. He took them all in battle. For it was the Lord Himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel so that He might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy as the Lord had commanded Moses. Go down to verse 22, no Anakites were left in the Israelite territory, only in Ga, in Gaza, Gath, and Eshad did they survive. So Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you did in the first service. Now what you will do in this second final service this morning. Move in great power. Release, Lord, your word, the double-edged sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. Fulfill every desire of your heart, I pray this morning. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond, what you would say to your bride, the church. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been doing a series, and we're just about completed with it, called Crossing Over Rivers and Taking Cities. That means, basically, crossing over rivers. Crossing over the obstacles from your destiny. There are many obstacles that the enemy comes, even that our flesh has, even that we create ourselves that keep us from moving into the destiny purpose that God has for us. We're calling them rivers. And there's many cities that God wants us to take. We're in the midst, what I believe, of a historic church planting movement. We're planting churches as fast as we can, and really the shortage is leaders. But God's raising up people even in our midst to plant churches. God's raising up people with anointing and unction and burden to plant churches even in the far-flung corners of the world. But you've got to be equipped, and this message will really help you. It certainly has helped me. Living the clean life. You can't read this story, you can't read this piece of history without coming away from this text and going, man that's some serious violence. I mean all of the kings are killed. All of those nations are wiped out. These Canaanites. So you can't come away from it and just go, wow, what's the deal with the Old Testament? First of all, the Old Testament is types and shadows to come of that which is in the New. And The one of the reasons it's so violent, why so much death, why so much violence, you have to see evil from God's perspective. I heard one preacher say this, if you don't have a revelation of hell, then you'll not know what really you've been saved from. And if you don't know what you've been saved from, that the salvation that you have is not as precious as it could be or should be. The evil from God's perspective is oftentimes different than what our perspective is. You see, think about this. Every hurt, every pain, all the sickness and cancer and disease and death that you've seen, that you've experienced, that you've watched others destroy their lives through addiction, through the afflictions of the enemy, it all comes from the enemy. It all comes from the fall. And the devil is a bad devil. And he comes, as it says in John 10, 10, to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And that none of these things will by any means harm you. God wants us to experience life together with people, power, and purpose. That is the vision statement, mission statement of our church. And so as you hear this message, In the first part here in the introduction, understand that God wants to open your eyes to evil. If the veil was pulled back and you saw evil for what it really is, it would freak you out. How the enemy's behind all those subtle things and some of those that are not so subtle. Why the violence of Joshua's campaign? Campaign? Because evil destroys people. And God loves you and he doesn't want you destroyed, he wants you blessed. So we've got to see evil from his perspective. We really do. Evil won't last. You know, the devil is uh, not the opposite of God. The devil is not the opposite of God. That's Zoroastrianism. God is God. The devil was created. Actually, Satan was created. Lucifer, I should say. Lucifer was created. And he was turned into the, the father of lies when he rejected heaven and took a third of innumerable and fell to the earth. One day he's going to be uncreated by one angel, not a band of angels, not, not, not God himself coming. No, one angel will take a chain, wrap it around Lucifer, the ugly one, and cast him into the lake of fire. One angel. No, evil, evil is, evil is evil, and God is good, and God is a God of justice, and one day he's going to deal the final blow of justice to all of that, but here we are in the midst. In the midst of this campaign of Joshua is these Canaanites. The Canaanites were evil people. They were wicked. They were, they were corrupt. And, and God had his holy people, Israel. Write in your notes, know, Israel is to be God's holy people, a covenant people and God gave them the law which which to simplify it today is the 10 commandments and the 10 commandments outlined what was right and what was wrong and when you read the 10 commandments which are certainly applicable today as you as you teach them to your children as you write them on the tablets of your heart you'll understand that you can't keep them fully you need a savior you need more than a rule book it's not it's not just to know what's right and wrong you actually need a savior because all of us Come on, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even when you know the thing that to do is right, that it's right there and you, and you don't do it, who will deliver me from this body of death? The Apostle Paul said, Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the Ten Commandments were given, the law was given, and God was, had his holy people set apart to, to be a demonstration of his love, to be a, a demonstration of his power, to be in demonstration of his blessings. But they had to live holy in order to remain in those blessings. And if you go to Genesis chapter 15, understand that the people of Canaan's land were under a curse. They're under a what? Under a curse. And so Joshua, God's people, were called by God, given this promised land, but they had to evict the intruders. And if you look at Genesis 15, turn there with me. This is where the curse started for the father of the Canaanites, whose name is Ham. Ham, like... That meat that you had for breakfast, ham. I may mean, remember Noah and the little Arky, which wasn't so little. The Lord flooded the earth, and Noah, with his family, a, a righteous man in all of his generations, was carried to a place called Ararat. and, and Eventually, the waters receded, and he came out. and There is the rainbow, which this culture has perverted. The rainbow is a picture of God's promise that He will never flood the earth again. It makes sense that, that there's those who would take the rainbow and try to make it mean something that it isn't. The rainbow is a covenant sign that God will never flood the earth. He's going to set it on fire, but he's never going to flood it. And he comes out of the ark and he, and he makes an altar and it's a sweet fragrance to the Lord and he, and he plants a vineyard. How many of you know the story of Noah? The, the movie did a horrible job, tried to capture all kinds of tradition and nonsense. They should have just stuck to the text. So he, he, builds a, he builds an altar, he, he sacrifices to the Lord, he plants a vineyard and he has grapes, so it's at least three and a half years, and he makes wine and he drinks it and he gets drunk. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 21, he drank some of its wine. Now that's not very righteous, you might say. Well, I've heard it taught this way, and the truth is I have no clue, but it is interesting. The atmospheric pressure of the earth had changed because the canopy of water in the earth, and we've taught on this before, would dissipated and the water fell to the earth and no longer was there the kind of atmospheric pressure so fermentation would take place much faster. And so he drank what he thought was grape juice and it had become wine and he got drunk. Whatever the case may be, he got inebriated, and it says in verse twenty-two, Ham, the father of Canaan, that's the the father of the Canaanites, saw his father naked and told his two brothers. Now, when you read the Hebrew, it apply it, it, it implies this: he saw the nakedness of his father. It's it's he saw something. But it's not that he just saw it, he did something. There's some homosexual act that took place when you study this out. And he dishonored his father and he did something with his father. And we don't know what that is. But we know that when Noah comes out of his inebriation and he sits up in his right mind, he curses Ham. And he says, "Cursed is Ham. And he goes on to curse him. Ham is the father of Canaan, who's the father of the Canaanites. And this perversion of sexual immorality is talked about in Leviticus 18, which we're going to look at just a moment. Ham, the Canaanites, were cursed. Now if you go and you look at the, at the sins of Canaan's land, they are predominantly sexual perversion. They worship demons as well. Right in your notes. Baal, Ashtoreth, gods, gods of fertility, gods of war, human sacrifice, Molech, wickedness. They would come together and have all these orgies and perversion. I mean, it was just perverted. Now, what I love about God is that he's kind and he's gracious. He is. He had had given them time, patience. But if you look at God's law, God's law in Leviticus 18. Turn there, Leviticus 18. I won't take time to read all of this. But Leviticus 18, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. In the land of what? Canaan. Where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must not obey lo- you must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And if you go down to verse 24 of that same chapter, so that's Leviticus 18, 24, listen to this. Do not defile yourself in any of the ways, in any of these ways after this long list. I mean, it's like, I'm not even gonna take time to read it. You'd be, some of you'd be shocked. So you might read it and realize, oh my gosh, I'm actually, I'm breaking some of these laws. Well, you need to repent because it brings defilement. And he says, do not defile yourselves with any of these ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land is defiled, so I punished it for its sin and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Wow. Wow. So the reason they're being evicted, there's a couple reasons. One, God promised them the land. Two, they've broken God's law and defiled it. Now now turn, turn to Genesis, uh, I believe it's chapter 15. God judges and God blesses. Come on, it's a little heavy right now in here, but don't worry, it's going to be really encouraging by the end. But there's so many Christians that are clueless about God's blessing. God doesn't bless a mess. He doesn't just bless you because you came to church. He doesn't just bless you because you got born again, although you must be born again. That's step one. But you, to live in the blessing, to experience life together with people, power, and purpose, you have to know God's word. You got to obey God's word. You got to get healed. You got to get free from defilement. Otherwise, it says in Leviticus 18 that the land will vomit you out. You know what's taking place in America? There's so much defilement that the land be- has begun to defile us out, but I'm thankful that there's a turning. I'm thankful that there's a people who are coming to God. I'm thankful for repentance. I'm thankful for an awakening. I'm thankful for a turnaround, although we have a long way to go. And it starts in your home. It starts in my home. It starts in this house starts in your house. So God judges and God blesses. So you're in Genesis chapter 15. The Canaanites, due to their overt sin, were under judgment. They're under what? Judgment. In Genesis 15, verse 16, God is speaking to Abraham, talking about the promised land, and He's talking about timing. So I've given you this promised land, but there's a timing. I've given you this land, I've given all of this to you, but hold on a second. Verse 16, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, King James, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Wow. Wow. Not yet full. They were full full of perversion, but not all the way full. This is a water bottle. Pastor Harry's gonna Pastor Harry, is that your name? Pastor (laughs) (laughs) Barry. There we go. It's not yet full, right? Now these water bottles are sealed. So if you don't feel that crack, 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 then you probably don't want to eat that because some, you know, drink that because somebody's had their mouth probably on it, right? All right, so this is a fresh one. So it's full, right? It's not really full because it has it has another it has another inch to go or or less. So when when Father Abraham was given the promise by God. The Amorite sin, the iniquity, which is a picture of generational sin and a picture of of their perversion, was not yet full. So it might have been like that, but in the fourth generation, four hundred years later, it would then be full. This is full. Now it's full. So it talks about a timing. It talks about a timing in the, in the plan of God. And that the, this, the, the grace of God, Amen. The grace of God was going to be released. Sorry if you all got baptized afresh. God's grace was on them, so judgment hadn't come yet. But you know when judgment started? When Josh crossed over the river, judgment began on the promised land. Now some of you, I'm going to bring some application here. Some of you think you're getting away with what you're doing. But you can take God's kindness for weakness. Somebody say, well I've just been living the way I want to and it's all going good for me. Yeah, for now. But that's God's kindness. And Romans talks about that. Verse 2, chapter 2 of Romans, verse 2. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So, when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, yet you do the same things. Do you think you'll escape God's judgment? This is typical for America, let me say that. Lots of people upset about the Ten Commandments coming off of Capitol Rotundas and being removed from the courthouses when they're drinking a six-pack of Bud Dumber, watching rated X movies on TV, cursing the wife, kicking the dog, not being a good father or a good mother and living completely contrary to God's law. Yet all upset about the Ten Commandments when you're breaking them every single day. And he goes on to say, nah, they say, but well, not me, Pastor. Well, praise God, not me either. But we all fall short. All of us need help. And he goes on to say in verse 4, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance? Wow. So here is God's people crossing over the Jordan now and beginning to wipe out, and in this text, wiping out all of Canaan's land. Why the violence? Because evil's bad, and it was time for judgment. Wow. But it wasn't time for judgment 400 years prior. Why? Because God's kind. God's merciful. So if you're doing things, you think you're getting away with it, newsflash. You're just in the process of God's mercy and kindness. Come on, smile at me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You look at the next point here. In verse 20, it's interesting. It says, for the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel. I mean, at a, at a casual look there, you'd think, well, that's not very fair. First of all, I don't know who ever told you about things having to be fair. Have your kids ever said that? That's not fair. No kidding. Want to be fair? You got to get up in five, go to prayer. Let's be fair. You work the day I work. Try that. Fair. If your kids ever say that? Let's do fair. Why would it say that the Lord hardened their hearts? See, that, that doesn't seem right. I mean, God hardened their hearts so He could then kill Him? What kind of a God is that? But that's not what that means. How many of you ever heard that before, He hardened their hearts? Where, where else did you hear that? You heard it in the Exodus. And it was Pharaoh, and if you look at the judgments of Pharaoh, for the first five plagues, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Who hardened his heart? Pharaoh did. Plague one. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Plague two. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Plague three. Pharaoh hardened his heart, plague four. Pharaoh hardened his heart, plague five. Plague six says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. See, here's the thing. If you continue to demand your own way, continue to go headlong, rejecting the Lord, rejecting His Word, rejecting the Spirit, every time you reject what God says to you, you begin to harden your heart. And if you continue along that process, and we could look at Romans today in verse 1. You can, uh, chapter 1, you continue to harden your heart, eventually end up with a hard heart, a calloused heart. Hands are okay to be calloused so you can work. A heart should never be calloused. But the enemy works very hard to callous your heart. In Exodus 4, verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders that I've given you power to do, but I will harden his heart. Wow. So five times it's... Pharaoh hardening his heart. Six, seven, eight, nine, and the final plague of the death of the firstborn. A type and shadow of Jesus. The blood of the lamb and the death angel passing over those who have the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home. That that hardening came from, from the Lord. He finally gave them over. Wow. You got to yield. Come on, someone say, Lord, help me to yield to the Holy Spirit. And so this judgment, this, this expunging of evil, the evicting of Canaanites, was, was a judging. And it was, it was also blessing. God was protecting his people. What? God was protecting them. Their time was over. Mercy was over. And now it's time for judgment. And they were going to be used as the, as the vessel of judgment from the Lord. And God did that to not only use them as judgment against the sins of the Canaanites, but also to protect His people Amen. because they would corrupt them if they stayed in the land. Exodus 23, Do not let them live in the land or they will cause you to sin against me. Man, some of you have partnered with Canaanites. Some of, some of, you, some of you have partnered with them. You're in, you're in relationship. Listen, if you married a Canaanite, and I, you married now. So you'll have to work that out. That's like your number one ministry. And there are reasons for divorce. But if an, if an unsaved man is willing to live with a, with a saved woman and vice versa, then you should work that out and pray for salvation. Amen. But if there's abuse and a breaking of covenant and adultery and so on and so forth, that can be a good reason. That is a reason, breaking of covenant for divorce. And even still, God hates divorce. If you go through that, don't you let anyone tell you you have to divorce somebody. God can give you grace if there's repentance. But if there's no repentance and that man or that woman who's committing adultery or doing that thing and you don't don't bring that to account, then you're endorsing their sin and their sin becomes your sin and you end up cursing yourself. Some of you need to let Tarzan swing alone. Some of you are partnered with with the Canaanites. And so he's telling them, get them out because they're going to defile you. They're going to cause you to sin. They're going to cause you to come under judgment. And God wanted to bless his people. He didn't want to bring judgment on them. God's speaking to us today very simply, individually. Live free from defilement. These, this perversion of Canaan's land brought defilement, and it's the reason they were being vomited out. The reason they're being evicted is because of defilement. Say, so what is defilement? You need to be aware of what it is, very simply. It's probably the best illustration I can think of. I was a a young adult pastor many years ago, probably 20 years ago now, and I was trying to get this young family back in church. So I visited them, and they had some babies. I think they had three kids at the time, and uh, they eventually came. They came to church, and we were so glad to see them in one of the services, and so they had a three-year-old, and and the three-year-old didn't, you know, just didn't reach out to me, didn't didn't really like me. He was sort of scared or something. I don't know. But not on this Sunday morning. This Sunday morning, the three-year-old was excited to see me. And it just put his hand on. Ah. I was like, oh. And I, 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 I took him to myself. I'm like, oh, this nice baby. And I'm looking at it, and he goes, eh. Ah. I'm like, oh. He goes, boy. He just throws up all over me. Oh, yeah. Some of you know, like the, the fire hose. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, Blasted my tie, blasted my shirt, all the way down my jacket. I'm like, "Oh, here's your kid. Thanks." He's like, "Oh, so sorry, pastor." I'm like, "Okay, okay." You know, off to the men's room, try to clean up. I ended up getting the flu. The baby had the flu. I It was one of those freak things. That's a picture of defilement. It's a picture of defilement is when it's, it feels like you got barfed on. It can happen. Spirit. It's spiritual. But it can come physically. It can come through relationships. Let me, let me talk with you about how it works. Relationships. Everybody say relationships. In 1 Corinthians 5, 9, it says this, I wrote to you, do not associate with sexually immoral people. Right. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. So he's saying, don't associate with immoral people, but not the people of the world. Obviously, you'd have to, like, leave the world. Get it? So who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. Now watch this. I'm gonna save you a whole lot of pain if you could just begin to apply this and cut some people off. Some of you need to cut some people off. What? That's not very nice. Oh no, it's very nice. In fact, it's righteous. It's not only right, now you gotta do it the right. You can't be a jerk. I'm cutting you off because you're a sinner. I don't want to be a jerk about it, but some people need to be cut off. He's talking to believers, and he says, don't have fellowship, don't associate with people who call themselves a Christian, but live a life of fornication, idolatry, adultery, that don't live according to God's Word. I'm not talking about a stumbling or struggling or fighting against sin. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Come on, we all wrestle against our shortcomings and stuff. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin and they say they love God. Don't you have fellowship with that? Don't, don't be close to that. That needs to be corrected. Well, He goes on to say, don't even eat with such a person. Verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those out? Listen to this, because some of you said, I could, don't judge, don't judge. Give me the scripture for that. Here, here try, try this on. You ready? What business is of mine to judge those outside the church? Yeah, that's where you're not supposed to judge. You're supposed to love them and and, and share the good news with them. But look what he says now. Are you not supposed to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked dude from among you. doesn't say dude. Expel the wicked man from among you. Listen, I'm just telling you. If you'll stand against sin in relationships with other believers, they might end up living life and life to the full instead of some compromised, jacked up life of sloppy agape and neo-Calvinism. That's better preaching than your amen. And neo-Calvinism means this. It's this grace that you can just do whatever you want. Whatever you want, and everything's okay. You get drunk, you can get high, you can sleep around, you can, you can break all of Leviticus 18. Oh, God loves you. He winks at your sin because Jesus died on a cross, and so you can live free. That, listen, any grace message that causes you to compromise your faith and live in sin and say it's okay is not from God. It's pretty simple. Now, some of you experience a lot of pain in your life because you're fellowshipping, associating with, and even partnering with people that call themselves believers, but they don't act like it. If they listen, Christian is as Christian does, and some people need to change their name. Now, I'm not trying to bring condemnation, I'm trying to wake you up, I'm trying to wake up the church. There will be a whole lot less church splits in the body of Christ if people correct the knucklehead who's undermining the pastor, undermining the vision, people who's talking, stinking, causing causing strife. We have a zero strife policy. All of my leaders know it. Oh, we're not perfect. Jesus, help us out. There is no perfect church. If you find it, don't go because you'll ruin it. Come on, somebody say Amen. So defilement can work through relationships. Look, Watch this scripture. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So some of you are experiencing defilement because of the relationships that, you're, that you have. Listen, you need to surround yourself with people that love God and you minister to those in the world, but you don't bring them close. They don't become your confidants. They don't share the deep, you know, pearls that God has given you with people who don't give a flip and want to go out and continue headlong and think it's strange that you don't join them. 1 wow. wow. Corinthians fifteen thirty three. bad company corrupts good character. The opposite of that is true. That if you hang out with someone who's anointed, someone who's got God's hand on them, God's blessing on them, and, and God's moving in their life, and they, they walk with power and authority and love God, love His Word, and a healthy marriage, healthy kids, that kind of thing, and they're in the process of doing that. I mean, we're all in the process of living this thing out. Spend time with people like that. And vision, listen, one of the reasons I bring guests, the other reason? Oh yeah, I'm going to have dinner with this Frank D'Amazio guy and I'm going to get him to lay hands on me again. Why? Because he's planted a thousand churches. He's impacted the nation. God's called us to do the same thing. So you get next to somebody. Come on, business people understand mentoring. I don't know why the church doesn't understand it. You want to prosper in business, get with somebody who's already prospering. Don't belly up with somebody who's just a knucklehead going broke. Good company can impact you, too. Talking about defilement, exposure to evil through the Internet, through movies, vicariously through pornography. Oh, yeah, I said it. Welcome to KC. You need to get rid of your pornography addiction. Well, it's my life, and if I want to go on the dating site or go on the thing and hook up, then I can do what I want to. It's not hurting anybody. It's just me. Listen, if I was to take a swim and a sewer, and then have somebody fish me out, do you think I would stink? Spiritually, when you involve yourself in things like that, it releases a spiritual sewer in your home. And, and or if, if someone is to be smoking in here right now, secondhand smoke, you would be breathing it in. Even if you're partnered with somebody that's doing the same thing, that can get on you. It's the smoke of the enemy. There is a real devil. There is real evil. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but God has come that we might have life and life to the full. You must keep yourself from defilement. Jesus said, I go now, Satan's coming, not long from now, but he has no hold on me. That's a fascinating scripture. What does that mean, he has no hold on me? That means there's things in the way in which we can live that allows for the enemy to have a hold. Let me, some of you are still looking at me like you're all... Irritated. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Does anybody know that scripture? Yeah. And give the devil a foothold. Right? What is foothold? The word foothold is topos in the Greek. How many of you ever seen a topo map? You go on hiking or camping or hunting. A you know, topographical map and you can see the elevations and stuff. So don't give the devil a topos, a place of operation. So literally he say, well I'm a Christian so I'm blessed. Well I hope so. Somebody said, a Christian can't have a devil. I think a Christian can have anything he wants to. If you live contrary to God's word and call yourself a Christian even though you're born again, you, you might be allowing things in your life to give the devil a foothold, a place of operation. And he doesn't want a foothold only. He wants to set up base camp. He wants to summit the Everest of your life and kill you. That's what he wants to do. So you need to learn how to deal with your anger. Anger can defile. Internet can defile. Your life, can you can experience things in your life that bring a vomiting upon your life. And if you don't deal with that, come on. Everyone needs to have their feet washed. Peter said, "Oh, not me! Wash my whole body, Lord." He says, "Oh, you're already clean. You just got to get the defilement off of you, off of your feet." Trauma is another way that can bring defilement. Defilement is a very real spiritual principle that can, that when operating, you can re, can release bitterness in your life can release anger in your life, can release a seed of the devil in your life. And if you don't learn to get that thing out, then you will be defiled and you'll end up missing God's plan. You could even miss heaven, I believe. I've seen people so offended. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When they came out their mama's womb, they were offended. Because there's a generational offense. Things passed down. Your mama was offended. Your mama's mama was offended. You're offended too. You need to get healed. You need to get free. Rejection, the same thing. Defilement is real, can come in many, many different ways. My, my children had an experience of defilement uh, this past week. And uh, I'll tell you what happened. They were driving home from church after worship practice on a Thursday night. They came out of Fred Myers and, and uh, my son, my daughter, and some other, some other young adults were in the car. And they go to pull out and somebody straight blew through the red light Going 60 plus miles an hour, God bless Hannah and the grace of God, she hit her brakes just in time. And I don't know if you've ever been in a car where you saw the flash go by. It was like that, smashed into somebody else, totaling their car. The other person actually was part of our church too. The girl bumped her head, but thank God she's okay, her car's totaled. So wow, they prayed and we prayed and we're so thankful that the devourer has been rebuked again. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Well, my son says to me about a day later, so that would be, I think it's yesterday. He says, hey, Dad, I, I think I got traumatized in that, in that near accident. He did get traumatized. It was trauma can release a defilement. And we've preached whole messages on it before. Our senior, our senior leader, Dr. Morocco, wrote a whole book on it, defilement. So I'm just touching it for a moment. So we prayed that that trauma would break, even now, in Jesus' name. Have you been through trauma? Are you connected in relation with somebody who's barfing on you spiritually? Defiled objects. Idols. My, my, my. I could preach the whole rest of the sermon on this. Canaan, the Canaanites were being evicted because they were defiled and they were breaking God's law. God gave them mercy, gave them time, but kind things came to its fullness, and now it's judgment time. Wow. Expose the evil. Here's how you get free of defilement. Expose the evil through confession and repentance. If you have a porn problem, you need to get some help. It'll destroy your marriage. And you know what else goes with pornography is poverty. They go together. It'll destroy you You Have a whole generation. Well, maybe not a whole generation, but it is a, a problem. These young married couples have looked at screens so long that they can't even be intimate together because they're addicted to a screen. No, these are real problems that we're having to deal with in our culture through counsel. Hello. Listen, gentlemen, let me just help you. Men are, 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 are visual, very visual. So men, I'm just going to tell you, you stare at your wife. You, 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 you let her face be etched into your heart. You don't look at anything else like that. You don't look at any other woman that way. You You let your wife's face be etched. The, her image be etched into your mind. So when you close your eyes, you know, you, you, you don't let other images be etched into your mind. Listen, I not know we got kids here. I'm being as gracious and shooting as high as I can. Are you guys getting something from the Lord? You've got to, you get rid of that thing by confessing it. I've, I've done this. I've seen this. I, would you pray for me? And, and you know, in your, in your marriage relationship, you've got to have a relationship with people that will be willing to pray for you. In, in your life, you have to have surround yourself with people who aren't afraid of hurting your feelings that are willing to speak truth to you. Yeah. Right. You cut off everyone that's willing to speak truth to you, you're going to crash. Yeah. Right. Praise God for those who are not afraid of hurting your feelings. I hope I'll have a whole household full of them. My wife is not afraid of hurting my feelings. She loves me so much, she'll tell me when I have a bad attitude. My daughter is very good at it. <laughs> yeah, Dad. Dad, you're not... That's I mean, she comes back from school full of wisdom. I'm like... Man, she had wisdom before, but she's all of a sudden, boom, growing into this great woman of God, full of Scripture. He's like, Dad, I was watching. Boom, 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 boom. I think your attitude's off. I'm like, okay. You know, right is right. Come on, I've been corrected by a five-year-old before. Anybody else? Come on, some of you need a monkey to correct you. It doesn't matter what the case. You all need, we all need correction. And when you confess and then you repent and you get prayed for, protect yourself. Everybody say protect yourself. You see, because I want you to continue to cross over rivers and take cities. I want to take this state. I want our nation to be taken. I want to see the power of God put on display. And if the enemy can get you defiled, you will never fulfill what he called you to. You'll never walk in the blessed life. You'll never walk and experience power and and purpose and passion. You won't experience that. And you'll wonder why your heart's so dull. You wonder why you're so callous when the Holy Spirit trying to speak to you over and over and over again, and you're constantly resisting Him, constantly pushing Him off. Oh, God has a great plan for you and me. We have to to confess and, and repent, but we have to protect ourselves. Listen, watch the books that you read. Watch the books that you read. Watch the movies. I mean, be careful of the movies that you're watching. Be careful. Be careful. You have to be careful of you. Guard your mind. Be careful of of your relationship. You got to live in relationship with others of people that'll protect you. My kids have the right to correct me with honor and the right way. Hello, they're becoming adults. Ain't no five year old you know going to tell me when I should turn or whatever. I mean that's different. You understand what I'm saying? Develop life, a lifestyle of having people that can hold your shut-up card and tell you, you've got a problem right here. You have a green piece of lettuce stuck in your teeth. (laughs) You know, you look at Ephesians 6. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. This is my first. I'm circling the airport right now. In Ephesians 6, it's a picture of warfare and the full armor of God. And the Apostle Paul talks about the armor, put on the whole armor of God, and he goes through a Roman's Romans, um, armor. Do you know what the strength of the Roman army was? Their ability to fight together without breaking ranks, without caving in. It's not one person. Wrestle not. It's not just a wrestler. It's not one person fighting. The power of the Roman army Was many, but one of the one of the things was they fought together their whole life. They knew who was on their right side, they knew who was on their left, they ate together, they fought together, they trained together, they knew who was strong at certain parts of the battle and so on and so forth. So when the apostle Paul brings this the the warfare or rather the weaponry the armor of a Roman, and he equates it to salvation, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of truth, and on and on and on. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit. And he begins to define all these these things. He's defining a Roman in his armor. But the strength of a Roman in his armor was the fact that he was a part of a team. It was a part of a, a group that fought together, that, that was able to correct each other, that knew each other's weaknesses, so that your shield of faith could step in front of somebody else that felt like they wanted to quit. And if you don't develop relationships like that, the enemy will throw you such a curveball that puts some Greek fire on you to mess you up. And if you're not related with somebody to be able to step over and guard over you when your shield is heavy, you won't make it. You got to renew your mind. Romans 12 talks about that. You got to renew your mind. You got to live life in the spirit. Romans 8:13. Turn there very quickly. For if ye live after the flesh, Romans 8.13, King James. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. There is a battle going on. And listen, you every day gotta stay free from defilement. You gotta stay on fire. You get in the word. Get in prayer. Take notes. Come early to church. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Cut yourself free from relationships that defile you. Begin to live in such a way that pleases God. I will tell you there's no greater joy than living for Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength and praying and decreeing and watching His kingdom come. Come on, there's nothing like it. You were created to be more than a conqueror, not a slave. Not a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. You were created to change the world in which you've been deposited. You and I have been created to bring forth the glory of God everywhere we go. We're the army of God. Face your giants. Where did you get that? Verse 21. Joshua eleven twenty-one talks about the Anakites. You know who the Anakites were? They were the giants that drove off 40 years before. Wow. The children of Israel, the 12 spies that go in, 10 were freaked out by the giants. And they turned in fear. We seem like grasshoppers, and so we were grasshoppers in our own eyes. What you what you declare over yourself, what the truth is about you, if, let me say it this way, you can't afford to have Thoughts in your head that are contrary to what God says about you. You must think God thoughts about yourself. They didn't see themselves as the army of God. They didn't see themselves as the nation that by the power of God defeated Egypt. They saw themselves as inable, inept, small, little, little bitty grasshoppers. And so they were. It says in Numbers, I believe, chapter 31. And so they were grasshoppers in their, in their own sight. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So, you have to renew your mind and you got to become what God says you can become. Face your giants. Where do you get that? Do you know what Joshua did? They killed all those giants. Well, not all of them, there was a few that was left. Wow. Face your fears. That's the application. Don't let fear grip you, don't let fear push you back. You might feel inadequate, you might feel like you're not up to it, you might feel like you're strong enough. Well, that's probably right. But by God you can run over, jump over a wall, run through a troop. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available on the inside of you. You can make it. You can conquer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's nothing that you can't do. You can fulfill what God said you can do. You can do it. You've got to set your mind on it. Come on, God will come through for you over and over and over again. God will come through for you, but you have to do your part. God won't do your part. You can't do His. You do your part, God will show up. I mean, you don't know how to raise the dead, but you can lay hands on it. Some of you have wandered out of the way of understanding, and now you're dwelling in what's called the congregation of the dead, according to Proverbs. You need to get back to your first love. Return to your first love. And begin to believe what God's Word said. And face your fear. You know, I, I don't know where it came from. Honestly. Probably my mother. My father too. I don't do fear. I just don't. If I feel afraid of something, I run at it. I, no, I don't mean the fear of God. That's, that's all mixed with reverence. I mean just fear. I don't let something grip me with fear. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid of your giants. Don't be afraid of the thing that pushed you back before. Don't don't be afraid of it. Rise up. Undefiled. You're the army of the living God. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. I'm with you. Even to the very end of the age. Face your fear. Perfect love hunts down, beats down, chases down fear. Don't cave into your giants. Lastly, persevere. Well, I'm almost done. Persevere. Everybody say, persevere. Caleb, I think he's 78 when he goes into the promised land, but he's 85. Seven years of war, if you do the math. Seven years they fought to get his mountain. Seven years. Some of you are like six months in and don't even know why God hasn't done everything yet. Listen, it didn't take you six months to get in the hole you're in. Hello, hello, you didn't, come on, redemption is a prayer, it's instant, but the playing out of the restoration of your life, sometimes that takes a while, because God's got to deal with people that have a free will, and, and many times we want everything right now, but it's not ready yet, we're such a microwave generation that God puts things together as you obey Him, Paul wanted to go to Ephesus. They didn't have the gospel. He wanted to go there. He knew it was God's will and the Holy Spirit said no. Why would the Holy Spirit say no over something which is God's will? Because the timing was wrong. Some of you want the right thing, but it's the wrong timing. And the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So you've got to wait on God. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength like the eagles. They'll mount up. Come on. Young men grow weary. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength like the eagles. You just wait on God. That, That word is to be braided in him. Persevere. Say it. Persevere. It's a word to our nation as we near its birthday. 4th of July. You want to be a part of our event. It's going to be amazing. God's judgment's real. And you can't read Leviticus 18 and come away without the understanding that America is like doing all of that and endorsing it. But there's, there's a turning. There's a turning. There's a shaking. That which can be shaken is going to be shaken so that what remains of him, we're headed for the greatest revival. We're headed for the greatest awakening there has ever been across every mountain, every valley from the east coast to the west coast every every little small church down every gravel road, every mega church, God's bringing an awakening God is going to stir a people to action. Lethargy is being broken off. I'm raising up my people in this hour to declare the glorious truth of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected the gospel is being preached good news is being declared you can't get it through psychology or psychotherapy you can't get it through smoking dope or drinking alcohol you can't get free just by by your own means you need a savior you need a deliverer you need the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead stand up on your feet all across this place and give him praise in the house of god come on come on come on thank you lord we gotta have a revival of repentance. A revival of what? Repentance. It starts in your home. Some of you are here, you're defiled. You know you've been defiled. And maybe it's a maybe it's trauma, a car accident, or something you saw, or somebody that you partnered with. You need to be free from that thing. You're here, and you say, that's me, Pastor. I, I think I've got some defilement on you. Listen, Jesus never shamed anybody for getting set free. And we don't either. And if you realize today that, that there's you've been defiled, it could have been something you saw. Listen, I, if you're on the Internet, you're going to get defiled. Something's going to happen. might be very subtle. might be major. I'm going to... The Lord helps me, protects me. We, we do all the right things. But there's times, you know, on the sidebar, something happens. I'm like, oh, man. My next my next call, you know, is to the Lord. And then after that, if I need to, I'll tell my wife. She'll pray for me. There's no shame in that. I love what uh, Pastor Janelle said to my son. He said, so, you're on social media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, what are you going to do? Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan for when you get defiled? See the church. The church has thought, oh, well, can't get defiled. You probably already are. So, do you have a plan for when you get defiled? What are you going to do when it happens? Because because you're going you live in the world. It's it's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't want you to be. I don't I don't plan for it. Plan to not have it happen. But if something happens that you end up defiled through relationship, through exposure, through sin, your own sin, the sin of another, vicariously through through some kind of a trauma maybe how are you going to handle that do you know most people don't even know the message I'm preaching to you right now most of churches defiled and they have no power they have no authority they have no zeal they have no passion because they've been swimming in a sewer of apathy and lethargy and compromise You've got to get rid of that. There's no, listen, if you're not on fire, it's not God's fault. If you're not feeling his presence and his power and walking in victory, you've got to take a good look at your own life. Not in a condemning way, but be honest. If you've been defiled, come to the front. We're going to pray. Just come right now. We're going to pray all together. Come on. Ain't nobody going to make you come. You know know who you are. You're like, man, I've had this fog that's happened. I feel like I'm, I'm, all of a sudden, uh, images of violence. Some of you experiencing, there's somebody here who's experiencing images of violence, and you're like, where did that come from? Could it be that you've been defiled? A movie that you saw. Come all the way up to the stairs. Make room for people. I'll tell you this story, and then we're going to pray for these. Which search is almost over. There's more that need to come. I was standing in a bike, a, a bank line many years ago, and God had set me free from all kinds of idols and, and drugs and relationship addiction. I've been free, it was free from all of that. I am free from all of that. This is early on in my walk, and I'm standing there in the bank, and I begin to have images of sin just start rolling up, you know, like like a you know what a you know what a Rolodex is? I just dated myself, I think. Just images begin to come up, and I'm like, "Lord." And the and the Lord spoke to me and said, "It's not you; it's the man in front of you." And all of a sudden, my eyes were open, and the man in front of me was a hardcore drug addict, and he had all kinds of stuff going on. And and I don't shame him; the devil's a liar, evil's bad. And I realized now, wait a second, it's not me; it's the guy in front of me. It's not me. It's a guy in front of me. I was being affected by demon power that's resting on somebody in front of me and I happened to be in proximity to it and it began to open my eyes. I mean, it began to reveal, you know, try to tap me with some old memories and stuff. It's a secondhand smoke. And I just thought, oh no. And I began to pray and I'd love to tell you I led him to Jesus, but I, but I didn't. Some of you have been affected like that. One more time, if you've been defiled, you know it, come to the front, we're going to pray. You got to break defilement off of you. You have to break it off. It's a. It could be a daily thing. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. There's businesses that can be defiled, homes that can be defiled. I blessed and and a house and a property yesterday. We walked. Some of you, you know, see, so you need to do this. Some of you own a house, own some land. All right. I won't ask you to raise your hand on the next thing. How many of you on your land in your house? There's strife or there's some difficulty, there, and and it seems like it's demonic. It seems like, man, what is going on? You get some oil out and you set it apart for the Lord and you begin to lay hands on your house and you dedicate your house unto God and you drive everything that's evil out of your home, get rid of the DVDs, to you know, get rid of the internet if it's messing you up, and you take and walk the four corners of your property, get a big old jug of oil, walk the four corners of your property and just dump it on a rock on that oil and just declare God's blessing and break the curses off, declare that that land belongs to God. We did that yesterday. amen. you can feel things lift right off the property. Land is affected by sin. Our land is be affected by sin. And I prophesy this. As a great revival comes to the Northland of Alaska, they are going to find tremendous discoveries of gold. But it's not going to be so much to large gold mines. It's going to be it's going to be people in villages. It's going to be people in the in the different corners that, that find and discover that even believers are going to discover gold and and resources will be released from this great Northland to fund the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Not for the greed and the wealth of of the United States or for businesses, but even for my own people, I will release supernatural provision. You'll find it. You'll see it. I will bring it forth, and I. I will declare it to you and it will be thus and so. The land is going to release forth riches. Things have been held up and hindered because even of sin, but I've come to cleanse the land and release my blessing, not only upon you and your family, but upon the land. Says the Lord. All right. Repent. Let's all repent. God forgive us. Come on, you repent for for anything you may have done that caused the defilement. Lord, we forgive those who perhaps did things that defiled us through their attitudes, relationships that we've perhaps been involved in that are not right. Lord, forgive us. Help us to be Christ-like, loving in severing the tie and the connection that we would not be on equally yoke. And lovingly, God, you would bring them back to yourself in true repentance live a life of holiness by the power of the Spirit and the blood of the Lamb Lord we repent right now come on just repent right out loud those of you online service almost over give me three minutes we're finished we repent right now now wash us and cleanse us First John 1 9 we confess our sins to you. you you forgive us you cleanse us you're faithful and just to do it from all unrighteousness so bring a cleansing now I break defilement. I break off perversion. I break off, Lord, even a spirit of poverty, pornography. I speak to you. I command you to break your hold off of these repentant ones. I pray defilement broken off of homes, off of families, off of this territory. Lord, even off of our church. If the church has experienced some defilement. I command it to go in Jesus' name off of this land, off of our own property. In the name of Jesus, I command your powers broken by the authority of Jesus' name and the efficacy of the blood. Set these free right now from defilement. Set them free from defilement in the name of Jesus and all association and connection with it. And God, bring us a great revival. Come on, just pray for revival. Lord, bring us a great revival. Bring us a great awakening. Bring America back to you. We repent for the sins of our nation. The child slavery, the pornography, the adultery, Lord, the same-sex marriage, the things that we've broken your law. Raise up revivalists, God, across the nation. Those will not be afraid of their 501c3. Those will not be afraid of... Of, of anything that the enemy might throw at them. God, you are bigger, and you protect us. And I pray you would raise up preachers of righteousness, God, uncompromising, full of faith and power. Do it, Lord. Break the back of religion in this nation and release a great outpouring of your spirit. We thank you and praise you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. You need to get right with him. There really is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you raise your hand right now? You want to be included in this prayer? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Let's pray this prayer. Pastor Vince and our team will be out in the lobby to help you grow in the things of God. At the conclusion of this service, let's pray all together. Those of you receiving Jesus for the first time or making a recommitment, or those that are here just affirming your faith, pray with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart come into my life be my Lord be my Savior thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer amen lift your hands all across this place as a sign of surrender Holy Spirit thank you fill touch bless each and every family. Those online, those that will listen later. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing of defilement. Thank you for freedom. Thank you that you've selected us and appointed us to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. Use us, oh God, to bring a mighty wave of revival. Lord, like you did, Lord, in the 1700s. Lord, like you did in the 1900s. Lord, bring a mighty wave of outpouring of signs and wonders and miracles. Bring a generation to repentance. Bring revival across America. Bring Alaska, God, to you. Oh, God, do it, we pray. We thank you, and we praise you. Now, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock.